and welcome back to Goth Mom, the podcast for the aging alt weirdo. I am your host, Perry Lerner, and with me is my husband slash producer slash sometimes co-host, Jesse Dram. Say hello, Jesse. Hello, Jesse. Ah! Yikes. How are you doing tonight, honey? I'm doing good. We have a we have a little bit of sad news in the world. Uh, Leslie Jordan passed away on the day we're recording this. Yes, that is a bummer. And he got me through the beginning of the pandemic quarantine because I started following him on social media, as did a lot of people. And he just warmed my heart. But like 67? Yeah, 67 67's not great. Well, not even that. I thought he was way older. That too, especially to, uh, I hadn't realized that so many people became aware of him during Will and Grace, which means like, oh wait, so when he was on Will and Grace 20 years ago, was he only 47? Wait, so tell me, how did you know him? Because when I had first brought him up in the beginning of quarantine, you didn't know who I was talking about. So the funny thing is, of uh, all people, I first became aware of him through Trixie Mattel, not through RuPaul's Drag Race, which everybody assumes. I saw. That's right. He's in that music video. He's in the music video with Trixie Mattel slash Brian Furcus that Daddy Don't Make Me Fancy Dance No More. And I just thought, like, oh, look at this adorable, cute little gay man. And apparently he'd been in a million things. I think I was watching. I was watching a movie recently that he popped up in, like, way before that. I think it might have been in Cold Blood, of all fucking things. You know what? I've read that book uh, at least three times. I have not seen that movie. The movie's really good. Is it? Very. Worth it. Of course, one of the killers is Perry. Um, but, yeah, I'm. side note, I'm kind of glad you're getting into drag culture more. I've always... So, this is the thing. I've always been, like weirdly on the fringe of gay culture in a lot of ways, which, because I remember even being a teenager, my friends being like, oh, you like Rocky Horror Picture Show. What are you, a gay? And they're like, no, it's really good songs. And I mean, why do I care? But like, guys, we're all into heavy metal, okay? Everything you like is gay. Judas Priest, Rob Halford, like, yeah, we wear fucking leather and spikes because we're metal. No, you wear leather and spikes because Rob Halford was a gay man who brought gay leather culture to 80s men who didn't know any better. Yeah, you're stepping on territory that I'm not aware of as much. That's that's all you, baby. What do you mean? Like, I don't I don't know about like the the intricacies of metal and what got. Things oh, popular and pretty much a lot of the fashion of uh, heavy metal that you would think of as like, all right. So you think heavy metal, you a lot of people think spikes, they think leather jackets, uh, right, right, of course. A lot of them leather pants, like Black Sabbath wasn't wearing them. Black Sabbath were dressed up as hippies. Uh, that true, fashion, true. Yeah, you look at early Ozzy, and that's definitely a hippie. Exactly. Whereas when that fashion really came in, and the punks had something to do with it, but then again, a lot of the punks, you know, there was a lot of, I mean, the founder of the Sex Pistols, Malcolm McLaren, was, he, he ran like a fucking sex shop, basically the condom kingdom equivalent of fucking Soho in the 70s. For those of you not from Philadelphia, Condom Kingdom is a classic sex store on South Street and is just full of debauchery and... On the sidewalk leading up to it, they used to have tiny little sperm decals that they have since removed in an effort to clean up Philadelphia. <laughs> that's right. That, that, that's how we're going to turn that's this the city problem. around. Yep. Um, but speaking of Philadelphia, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention that our team, the Phillies, are headed to the World Series. That's right. How do you feel about that? 
Uh, very excited. Um, obviously, they have not won a World Series since two. People all right, people from like bigger cities, particularly like New York or uh, the Chicago area, et cetera, or most, well, most football teams haven't really won anything. But like Philly goes so long in between their championships. Yeah, that is true. If we're talking the Phillies, just like in the near my lifetime, they won in 1980. They won the, which is not technically your lifetime. I said around my. I know, lifetime. but still, that's people, even that's uh, like I, far I, away. Exactly. I just knew growing up, people were like, "Oh man, you missed a big time." Uh, so yeah, nineteen eighty, and uh, they won the pennant in ninety three, and then whiffed it in the actual World Series. Then two thousand eight, so twenty eight years later, they finally won another World Series. And the next year they made it and lost. To the freaking Yankees, which in this this area, that is the worst because you got two people, you got two teams really close to each other uh-huh. in geography, like just, you know, and then you have Jersey that doesn't have any teams. So they're all rooting for one of them at that point. Exactly. Oh my gosh. Um, in the 2009 World Series, I was in college. I went to school in New Brunswick, and I was working for the College Stella Fund, and I had to call during Phillies-Yankees games, and it is the middle of Jersey, so they everyone was watching there, and people were so mad, and I was so mad. Like, I didn't want to be there either, and I'm like, bitch, just don't pick up your phone. Like, people are like, are you seriously calling me during the World Series? Yes, are you seriously picking up your phone? There's a thing called caller ID. I think you could just avoid it if you wanted. Yeah. yeah so that that was a bummer. Um, but yeah. So that was that was our day yesterday. Looking very so, much forward to that. Something I wasn't aware. Of, by the way, we're we're well aware that sports and goths never the twixt should meet. There should be a goth league. There should be like a goth. <laughs> what what is the most goth sport? I would have to give it to like badminton. I would. Mm, okay. Interesting. I would say soccer. Soccer's not goth. No, but like it's, it, I'll, I'll put it this way: there's a lot of lanky boys running around. <laughs> <laughs> there's something about soccer that's like a little alternative, though. I don't know if it's because it's like one of the only two sports teams that Portland has, and they're kind of like all out there. It is annoying that fucking hipsters have taken to soccer. It really is. Although a- occasionally you'll get a great story about they'll go over to UK and get like a fucking get a fucking. Uh, mug of beer smashed in their face because they think they're gonna like show up with their fucking horn rimmed glasses and be like yeah Manchester United the the greatest and then some fucking hooligan just like bites their ear off dude I will say living in Portland though where like the timbers are a big deal soccer is fun to watch because it is constantly moving Mm. and um normally so we're like we're not obviously big sports People, but like we do follow the teams, particularly like the Phillies and the Flyers and the Eagles if they're doing well. I lost so much alt credential this year because I'm playing fantasy football. Oh, well, that's on you. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't get it. But um, but yeah, so we we go to Phillies games every year, somehow managed to make it to two this season despite being pregnant and having a baby. Shout out Uncle Robert. Best seats we ever had. Yeah, amazing seats one game. Um. And, uh, yeah, the Eagles were kind of bandwagon jumpers on. Like, we followed enough, but, like... I, I I used to follow the Eagles regularly until... Honestly, what happened was they won the Super Bowl, so we had this big cathartic moment. 
then they almost immediately started stinking because they got rid of the, you know, quarterback who got us there. And then, you know, my, my stepdad died and that was a big part of the football culture in our family. Right. And I think for me, like I did grow up going to like a lot of baseball and hockey games. So like it wasn't like I met you and like got more into that. Right. But I do think um, I did get a little more into football, like meeting you like mm-hmm. I don't know, because sometimes you'll throw the game on. But the one team we don't care about at all are the Sixers. We were at a Sixers game once, and we're like, we wish this was the Flyers. Yeah, it it wasn't fun. Basketball is just like, I feel like it stops every three seconds. And just, you could, you know what's fun to watch in basketball? The last four minutes. And that's it. And what's funny is that's the only sport I ever played. You would think with my family I would have been a softball player if I played any sports at all. But it was basketball. And it was just for fun. I have another goth sport. What's that? Croquet. How's croquet golf? I mean goth. (laughs) Uh, It's not goth, but I mean, you know, My Chemical Romance. They were playing croquet in the uh, I'm Not Okay video. That's true. And um, they play croquet in Alice in Wonderland. Yeah. I don't know. That feels like that could draw a line to goth. Oh, another thing that happened in uh, the the alt world this week. The When We Were Young festival finally happened. At least part of it did. Oh, yeah. The first day was canceled. Ooh, sick burn. No, that was it's too windy. That was a real bummer for people who had that first day ticket. And part of the problem with having only a one day festival because you can't bump it to the next day. Or like people don't even feel like they like, you know, got to go the next day. Like, oh well, one day's canceled. At least there's like another day or another two days. Plus, I'm like hopping on the Twitter comments and everyone's like yelling, like, hey, like fuck you guys. Like this was the first date and we got the tickets first. And it's kind of bullshit that like we made it popular for you and that's why you added a second and third date to begin mm-hmm. with and now we can't go. And I'm like, that's not a bad point. Yeah, no, that's definitely not a terrible point. But none of my friends who were there were got the Saturday show. I think it was Saturday that was canceled. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they um, were all there the second day. So yeah, they, well, yeah. the second day is when my chem was happening. I think they're also doing something weird. Where no, my chem was happening both days. That's the whole thing. The whole, Both lineups were the same. Oh. Yeah, because... That was the whole problem. Like, they had come out and said they were going to do a first day. So and instead then of like, splitting the bands across a weekend, they just, yes. you'll so all play. That's so funny. Exactly. Fun. That's why, oh. like, the people couldn't, if they didn't go the first day, they were, like, fucked. You, you have to tell the people because the you, people. You, you told me and I found it hilarious. You were talking, apparently they got a lot of shit over how they were stacking the bands. Oh, because, like, bands were, like, overlapping. Like, they had, like, Bayside and Taking Back Sunday together, which to me is, like, dumb because, like, a lot of the same fans are going to those two. Geographically, they're both from Long Island. So, like, also true. It would be, like, like all right, you don't have Good Charlotte and Newfound Glory play at the same time because they share too many fans. You're supposed to stack it. You put If 303 is playing, you put AFI on next because – nobody's going to see both of them. People were also complaining about how um, they had a like one stage was so far from the other and they were having like headliners like uh, that were just too far away and you were going to miss at least part of the set trying to get to one. Oh, but 303 did make a funny comment that <laughs> yeah. I will give to them. They were like, oh, you put us on at three o'clock? I, or like, oh, you, you weren't going to put us on at 303? Okay, I guess we'll see you at three o'clock. And I was like, ah, oh, that's pretty good. For a band I don't give a shit about except for like a song, that's pretty good. 
Um, so, okay, should we get into today's episode? I have one hilarious thing. Okay. I, I had an ex that got so pissy about the 303 song because she thought they insulted Helen Keller. Yeah, I don't think Helen Keller cares, to be honest. Well, for it, one for one thing, it, yeah, if there's one thing Helen Keller doesn't care about, it's songs. And also... <laughs> also true. Yeah, but God. Oh, she was so dumb. Anyway. Yes, that was worth... That was definitely worth adding into the end before we got into our our segment. So, um, it is almost... Uh, are you kidding me? Bunny breakout. Um, are you doing anything about that? For those of you who don't know, we are so goth. We have fucking rabbits. The most goth animal. They really are. They don't give a fuck about us. <laughs> Wait, he went to the kitchen. Can you pause this? You can't keep me in my room, Dad. I'll, I will escape to the kitchen. Okay, and we're back. And now we're going to get into our segment. Or, yeah, our segment for <laughs> this week. Um, so Halloween is coming up very soon, um, next week, in fact. And, um, yeah, for the month of October, we've been watching a bunch of horror movies. I mean, we're the type of family, of course, who watch horror movies year round, but we really ramp it up in October. Wouldn't you say, honey? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, we started in September, actually. We considered that to be our Halloween viewing for this year, um, so, yeah, let's just get into our list and see what we did this year. All right. So, number one, a lot of curiosity here. I saw this years ago. You hadn't. So, we finally gave it a whirl. Uh, the Babadook. Yes, who, which I had taught you as apparently a gay icon. I still, guess what? I did like an hour worth of research why the Babadook is a gay icon. Still can't fucking tell you. Yeah, I'm a little confused on it myself, but I just let it go because it's kind of funny. And if you Google it, the um, pictures are hilarious. Right. So basic plot of the Babadook, uh, a mother, a single mother is raising her kid after her husband dies in a car crash. The whole thing is is an allegory for grief. Uh, a book arrives in the mail with a character called the Babadook. It turns out the Babadook is real and it's all kinds of spooky, ooky, ooky. The one thing we agreed watching this movie is, man, if that actual child actor is a a fine, upstanding, well-behaved child, he deserves every he deserves his own Oscar because I spent the whole movie wanting him to die. Oh, he was insufferable. And I couldn't stand the mother either. Just no one in that movie was I rooting for. Not to mention, if I can just be a little xenophobic, fucking Australian accents. Great on me, so much. I told you I'm really bad at telling the difference between an Australian and a British accent. It's really sad. Um, wait, who was the mother again? Was she someone? I don't think she was anybody. Let's pause real quick and check. Hold on. So it turns out the star Essie Davis, like every Australian and English actor of the last fifteen years, had a bit part on Game of Thrones. Are there that many Australians in Game of Thrones? I don't remember that. I mean, there probably are. But basically, yeah, she was uh, the chick who um, Arya had to kill for for Jacquin. I said Jacquin <laughs> like it's French for Jacquin. Um, so yeah, but no, I was not the biggest fan of that movie. It was it was fine. I didn't know where the book came from, though, and that really bothered me that it, like, just showed up. And she's like, I'm just going to read this to you. This isn't creepy at all. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I kind of liked it. I tend to like movies that are real downers. So the whole dead dad aspect definitely gave it a nice twist. Um, I, you know, 
I thought the Babadook himself was pretty creepy, but uh, overall. Yes, I did appreciate that in the Max Shrek of it. Yes, yes, a lot of the German expressions meant, but uh, so that's pretty much it for me. All right. So, I mean, is it worth going through all of these? We could talk about the next three all in one Yeah. Time. So, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 2, a.k.a. the gayest horror film of all time. <laughs> the gayest Freddy, anyway. Um, so, we watched that along with Scream, Scream Queen, which was the... Scream, comma, <laughs> queen, exclamation point. Yes, it was the document. Exclamation point, the gayest of punctuation. Um. The uh, it's the documentary that is associated with um, the actor from Nightmare on Elm Street who was kind of outed by the movie. It was pretty interesting. Um, I was really sad, of course, because it starts to get into like the AIDS epidemic too. Yeah, his his partner that he was with at the time of Nightmare would later succumb to AIDS, and and like his entire career was just shot after this. Yeah, so uh, a, a lot of people at the time, Nightmare Two wasn't super successful when it came out. It was the one a lot of people didn't like because you know very much the 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 st- all right, in the in the world of horror, there is the very stipper, stereotypical role of the final girl. And this one just had the weird bent of the final girl was a guy, a boy. And also, um, I didn't like the fact that like Freddy could manifest himself in reality. Like I got he was doing it through someone, but I'm still like, yo, isn't your whole thing you're in dreams? Yeah, I think there was something along the lines of like his dream power had waned a little bit, so he was trying to go the possession yeah, route. Yeah, it was dumb. I wasn't a fan. And that's where I a mean, lot I was a fan of the movie. I just like was not a fan of the like concept. the logic. Yeah. But yeah, that's where a lot of the gay stuff comes in of like, you know, there's a man, man inside me. There's a man who wants to come inside of me. What will my friends think? Oh no. Oh, plus that dancing. Oh my god! So yeah, the the makers of the film, like I think the director maintained that like it wasn't a gay film. The star was just so gay that he made it gay. But then there's like a little dance scene, and literally he's like he's like rubbing his little hiney up against the fucking knob on a drawer. And the star said that it was choreographed like that. Exactly. I didn't do it like that, so that wasn't helping things. Yeah, it's that thing read in the script. Like he rubs his hungry, hungry little against the banister and he just went along with it yes but yeah so scream queen uh definitely worth checking out in tandem with that um just on the side we've also been watching there's still new episodes debuting on shutter as we speak now uh the history of queer horror yeah that one's been really interesting um and it's not just horror movies it's talking about books too um and that's where it starts i believe is with mary shelley who i didn't realize wasn't uh i i didn't realize just how uh, on the gay spectrum she was well i knew like her and like lord byron and like i think her husband's name is percy like i knew that was like mm-hmm. a thing <laughs> The, the, the elite have always been fucking everybody. They don't care about any of this. They they are against gay marriage because the rubes are against gay marriage. Yeah, and um, in the same vein of documentaries, we've been watching uh, Eli Roth's A History of Horror, which is um, also categorized by, based on, you know, uh, like sequels. That's actually how we start watching a lot of the sequels. But like sequels or witch movies, 
Um, I'm trying to think what else. Zombie apocalypse. Yeah, yeah, there were some more interesting ones, though. Mm -hmm. Like, um, So, yeah, we just kind of have been watching that based on what tickles our fancy. Yeah, very, very fun way to kill 45 minutes. I don't know how Eli Roth has become so huge in horror when I feel like none of his movies are particularly incredible his biggest and thing and i fucking hate hostel and you liked hostel i was okay with it torture porn isn't like the height of my thing but i i, I tend to like outsider movies so yeah a, a bunch of bumbling americans wandering through eastern europe like okay that's gonna appeal to me in a certain sense yeah i i'm not sure how he got so big either but man he's got everyone in this Series like Tarantino is in it. Like, what are you doing here? Uh, I hate when fucking Rob Zombie shows up in horror. I I maintain Rob Zombie doesn't understand what makes horror good. Yeah, we still need to watch The Devil's Rejects. We do, we do. And again, some of them are okay, but like, uh, it's just the wife thing too. The wife thing is annoying. If like there was a rumor, <laughs> there was a rumor that uh, Rob Zombie was actually going to be making a non-horror film about the Philadelphia Flyers in the seventies about the Broad Street Bullies, and my immediate thought is like, oh, is Sherry Moon going to play Dave the Hammer Schultz? Yeah, and like it's one thing if like you know your wife can act, um, but by the way, the real bitterness of this comes from is that I am a lifelong stan oh, yeah. of Sean Yasult, bassist from White Zombie, and girl Sean. Girl Sean. Girl Sean and former girlfriend of uh, old Robbo there. So, nah, I stay loyal to my girl. What up, Shauna? Coffin base for life. I was going to say, so we have uh, a friend, Sean, who's a girl. Shout out, girl Sean. Um, and I try to point out when I find other girl Sean's, and I wanted to send her that one, but her name is actually Shauna, so it doesn't count. Yeah, which is funny, because I remember on the albums, it was spelled S-E-A-N. But I think her actual birth name is like the traditional A-U-N-A. I don't even know if Sean remembers this, but when I met Sean and I was like, oh, that's interesting. How do you spell it? Um, and she was like, S-H-A-U-N. And I was like, oh, that feels like the girl way to spell. And she's like, no, there's there's no girl way. I was, But thanks. Thanks for uh, trying. <laughs> okay. Just to show I'm not paying attention how I put this list together, the order of films we have was Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Scream Queen, Queer Horror, History of Horror, and then the gayest fucking horror movie ever. Like, why did I not put History of Horror somewhere else? But Well, no, you put it there because um, we were doing documentaries. True. So it, threw, okay. it went into that. Um, but yes, the, the next movie I watched on my own, per your recommendation from like a year ago, was uh, Knife Plus Heart, which is the only movie I've seen Vanessa Paradis, a.k.a. ex-Johnny Depp girlfriend. Um, I worded that weird. I was trying to say ex-wife of Johnny Depp, but she's they weren't even married. But anyway, that's the only thing I've ever seen her in. Um, but it's gay. It's French. It's the seventies. Um, it's it's pretty much Perry in a movie. I love it. Yeah, it, it involves the gay porn industry. And shot on a thirty-five mil. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I I really enjoyed this film. It was to to, to steal an old line from a Patton Oswalt clip. Everything was gay and wet and French and on fire. It's so good. And the film opens with like some like French techno music playing. And I'm like, oh, I'm so here for this. Um, and the the gore was fun in it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Very good movie, though. Um, 
I don't even know. Well, I mean, we both watch Cat's Eye. Whatever, it's fine. Anthology, I classic mean, Stephen King anthology with Drew Barrymore. That's Baby right. Drew. That's right. There's a nine-year-old Drew Barrymore in it, which means she is five years into her coke addiction. Poor girl. She came out of it okay. She's oh, got, yeah, she's great now. Well, actually, I, her career confuses me because it was only like 20 years ago she was still headlining films. And now, well, I guess they don't really write. I think well, she's a talk show host now. Well, that was I was gonna say. Like she was a movie star, but then again, I guess they really don't write films for women in their forties, which is why she's a TV. Like, it, it seems a backward step, is what I'm getting at. Um, I feel like Drew kind of has um the reputation in Hollywood where she and like the money where she could do whatever she wants, and I feel like this is what she wants to do now is like talk to people. That's right. And hey, you know what? I'll tell you at least one thing: she's showcasing some great comedians on her show. Shout out Tata Sharice, guys! Go follow Tata Sharice on Instagram right now. She's awesome, and you're wait. Done. Tata was on on the Drew Barrymore show. That's right. That's her first big credit. Was she did you comedy? Did not tell me that. I think they announced it. I think that's how they brought her up on the first show where you saw her. I do not remember that. Early in our relationship, pre-COVID, Perry came with me to watch me perform in one of my stand-up shows, invited her friends to watch me as well. And before I went up, uh, they bumped me for another comedian I'd never met before who had to leave early, a a, uh, a black woman named Tata Sharice, who went up and fucking annihilated the room in a way I don't think I've ever actually seen in person. She was so good. And if it makes you feel better, it was just Corinne. It was not multiple friends. Oh, I thought there were more people. Oh, you know what it was? Your old roommate came. Rob came. That's right. Well, yeah, so what happened was I, uh, yeah, so I I went up literally just like there was nothing I could do. I was not going to follow that. And I went up and did okay. Yeah, considering but, you yeah. you had a vivacious black woman ahead of you. Um, okay, so the next one, also Stephen King that we watched, was The Mist. Um, oh, wait, wait, wait. wait. Uh, if we're talking cat's eye, let's just say uh, shout out and rest in peace being able to watch James Woods without thinking what a fucking righty dickhead he is now. Oh, yeah, he's the worst. I just ignore that because I still like Hercules, too. Um, See, I at least like him in stuff like uh, Casino, where he's like a terrible piece of shit anyway. Mm, true. Oh, and uh, Riding in Cars with Boys, speaking of Drew. Oof. Oh, shit, they're both in that. Is he in that? They're oh, wait, yeah, he's in And they're both in Cat's Eye. Oh, shit. Wow, <laughs> we didn't even put that together. Riding in Cars with Boys, not goth, but pretty fun. Yeah. Great Brittany Murphy role. Underrated Brittany Murphy role. Um, uh, when Lisa and I both got pregnant together, well, not at the same time, but you know, um, it made me think of Brittany. When I impregnated both of you at the same Ew, time. Ew, stop. <laughs> I hate when you do this shit. Sorry. Um, he, anyway, that made me think of, uh, Brittany Murphy and, uh, mm. Drew Barrymore getting pregnant together, although <laughs> they were not as happy about it. Um, okay. So yes, the mists. Uh, I'm Tom Jane. Yeah, I, I have been waiting to show you The Mist forever for whatever reason. Have you ever noticed there's just some films that are unreliably streaming? They Like, uh, particularly in horror, you can always find the entire Phantasm series out there. Phantasm 2, you can't find anywhere. Uh, usually Halloween 2, you can't find anywhere. Nightmare on Elm Street 4, you can't find anywhere. There's always one outlier that for whatever reason... The distribution company just doesn't work together. 
Yeah, I don't know what that's about. Um, but yeah, I guess The Mist was one is yeah. where you were going with that. The, the, the Mist was one. If you haven't seen it in a while, um, this also has the uh, interesting feature uh, that this was directed by Frank Farabont. Frank, Fa- Frank Darabont? Drank Farabont. Frank Darabont. What the fuck is his name? I don't know. But the point is, uh, shortly after this film, he would be the main guy to bring Walking Dead to TV screens. And this film really feels like a startup for that because like, there's like four or five people from Walking Dead in it and it has a lot of the same uh, visual language. So it, it, whether you like the movie or not, whether you like Stephen King films or not, it's a very unique little time capsule, especially considering like, I mean, if we're talking horror series on television, I mean, Walking Dead is like head and shoulders above everything. And I never got into Walking Dead. It was too hype. Too hype. It, and, then, and then people complained about how shitty it would get. I was like, why am I going to invest my time in this now? Yeah, it, it completely lost me. And then it got me back a little bit. And then it lost me again. And I was just so mad I ever got back. Uh, Sons of Anarchy did the same exact fucking thing. It's like, oh, I'm an idiot for liking this because these people are f- they're incompetent. Yeah, they really ruined a lot of characters in Sons of Anarchy. True Blood, too. Yeah. True Blood just told down how. Um, but yes, yeah, so we were watching The Mist, um, Some total downer ending, total downer ending, a lot of stereotypical, uh, Stephen King where like there's, there's the religious one that, you know, he's going to make a big statement. It takes on. place in Maine. It takes place in Maine. Um, I could not, I just can't watch Tom Jane in anything without thinking of Arrested Development when Lizzie tries to date her him when he's homeless. I just want my kids back. I think I dropped that line somewhere in the fucking movie and you're like, you asshole. Yeah, it's true. Um, and he's like, I'm not dating you. I'm Tom Jane. As if that's, he's like a big person. He's not even that big. Um, so yeah, that was the mist. Um, definitely recommend that one. Um, which I didn't think I was going to like it, to be honest. And I like Stephen King. House. House Ooh. was another one we watched. It is a Japanese horror film. Um, absolutely ridiculous. I Fantasy. Melody. Yes. Prof. Their names are that. Mac the Who Fat One. Mac the Fat Oh. I, I love Mac the Fat One, but... Mac the fat one, but she's Japanese, which means she's like 115 pounds. Yeah, no, it was it was pretty ridiculous. Um, it reminded me of like a really terrible Sailor Moon episode where they like keep calling her fat. I'm just like, oh, my God, this is like ruining children. Um, but yeah, so, uh, gorgeous was the main one and Jesse was like, oh, you need to get high and watch this. So there was like, you know, a good year and a half where that was not happening. Um, and I understand why now. Oh, and that was the night that I just, we were picnicking in a cemetery for our friends, with our friends. And I just absolutely lost it as the darkness closed in on us. And I was just like losing my fucking mind, laughing, laughing. I wasn't, it's not like I was freaking out, but I was just like zero help. Um, But anyway, yeah. So we watched House and I just couldn't believe that this was like a mainstream Japanese movie because it's just like, it didn't make any fucking sense. Super surreal. Although the cool thing was that the way all of them uh, died was like, uh, in, indicative of like what their personality and name was. So like Melody, like 
her yeah. like her fingers get chopped off by a piano and they keep playing. It's fucking cool. And then a piano eats her. Um, oh, yeah. The, the director stated that uh, because this film was supposed to be, you know, like young a young girl horror film, uh, he asked his like nine year old daughter what sort of things she was afraid of. And it was shit like. You know, like, oh, the piano chopping my fingers off. And what if a, what if a watermelon turns in my friend's head and bites my butt? And he just went, okay, that's all I need to know. And made a fucking movie out of it and never looked back. Yeah, I would watch it again. Oh, and I recognize. So Jesse has two house shirts. One of them is really no longer a house shirt. It's just a burgundy shirt with flecks of paint on it. Um, but I did recognize the scenes from Kung them Fu. now. That was I remember we couldn't figure out which girl it was, and it was Kung Fu, who was like a minor character. Oh, that's right. That's right. Um, okay, so moving on. Summer of 84. That was a shockingly great movie. I don't think I would have thought it was as good if the end didn't happen the way it did, which obviously we will not tell you. We will not tell you, but like, yeah, this movie, this movie, like it it, it feels like you're being inserted into a classic 80s slasher, and then Tropes are just subverted for 90 minutes, and it's cool. And what the fuck's that guy's name? Uh, I don't remember. I just call him Young Roy from that one episode of The Office. Young Roy. No, like, if if I looked up his name, I'd be like, oh, that's who it is. Um, I also know him as, like, the guy in The Devil Wears Prada. He's, like, her friend who's, like, knows everything about all the, like, um, the swag she's getting. Um, wait, we're coming up with the name... Da, da, da. No, that's not it. Stop, stop clicking things. Rich Summer. That's who it is. What a bland fucking name. Rich Summer. Um, he's great. He actually, they interviewed him in the Office Ladies podcast because Pam is friends with him. Um, but yeah, so he is like the main character in it. Um, pretty good. Well, not the main character, but like the main adult. Right. Um, so yes, definitely recommend watching that. Um, Frankenhooker, that was Ooh. wonderful. And once you told me it was produced, you said it wasn't really trauma, but it was produced by trauma. Yeah. Like, it made so much sense. Um, Poor man's Paul, uh, Paul McCartney. <laughs> Poor man's Andrew McCarthy. Um, basically, his wife dies. Oh. Or no, his fiance dies. And he wants to bring her back to life. He's like a mad scientist. And he infiltrates the hookers of new york city their little scene um fucks them up with some crack super crack and uh they all like explode and he collects their body parts and creates frankenhooker with his fiance's head on top which by the way the whole time he does this he's muttering in the worst new jersey new jersey new york accent like no girls you don't want to get near that it's too big for you Wow, it's <laughs> it's he's so there's something about him that is very creepy that I'm just like, Ugh. um, no one big in that, but uh, it's pretty that one's pretty fun. Um, certainly not scary. So, um, I added one on the list here that you did not watch, but I was just reminded of its existence and I just watched this year. Go on Shutter, watch the movie Threads. It is a made for team uh, made for teen movie, made for TV British film with zero budget about uh, basically, hey, what if during the 80s a nuclear bomb went off in a small English town? It is one of the bleakest fucking things I've ever seen. Go watch it. 
I can't believe you added not one, but looks like two movies I did not say. What else did I add? The most. Oh, no, no, no. That was The Mist. I fucked up. Okay. I was like, this is my podcast. <laughs> so let's not go off script here okay. for your crap. Okay. Um, VHS. Oh, so. This v- took us the five v- years a lot. The v- so the VHS saga. Um, we had watched. So it's an anthology. We had watched part one in our old apartment, which had to be over a year ago. And uh, we put it on pause and went to pick it back up and it was no longer streaming and had not been streaming since. It was one of those like we watched it on the last day of a month. And then the next day, like, oh, let's go check it out. And it's like, it's fucking November now, asshole. No no VHS for you. Oh, my God. I remember we did that with Walk the Line, too. But literally the next day. Like, we started it October 31st. November 1st, we went to finish. And we're like, <laughs> good thing we both saw this already. Um, but, yeah, VHS was good. Um, the guy who directed one of them and started another is actually in another one of these movies on our list uh but i would say my favorite i don't know if it just like stuck with me the longest but was probably the first one with the creepy girl yeah the creepy girl with the huge eyes so uh if you're not aware with the uh, concept of vhs it is an anthology film i said that i know but the wraparound is uh these guys who are breaking into a house that supposedly has like they don't say exactly but it's hinted like it's it's a snuff tape and a collector really wants it. So if they can go in and find this snuff tape and sell it to this guy for a lot of money, hey, we'll have some money. They go in, they find a dead guy, they find mountains of VHS tapes, and the entries we see in the movie are them looking for this film. And, of course, a bunch of shit happens there. Uh, see, I feel like you didn't need the threading together. Like, it just didn't do anything for me. I didn't care for it. Um, like I know in in anthologies, like there's always something like threading it together. But like to me, I'm like, I didn't need this. Like Cat's Eye, it like all came back at the end, you know, and she became the main thing. That cat like became part of like a big, like a big part of one of the segments. I'll give you that. A a, a lot of the uh, wraparounds in anthology movies really don't work well. I think like Creep Show, where there's a whole thing where Joe Hill, Stephen King's son, uh, his dad, not Stephen King, actually, Stephen King's in a different segment, is like yelling at him for reading comic books. I will say, though, one of my favorite anthology films ever is Tales from the Hood. And that is probably the only anthology film I've ever seen where the wraparound is the best story in it. That is a wild movie. Yes, it is. I love that movie. Um, that is also a horror movie. Yeah. Um, we did not watch that this year, but highly recommend it. Um, the, the, this, the main star actually died this year. Uh, Claire, I think it's Clarence Williams, the third. So go check out tales from the hood and watch him. It's the shit. Yes. Let's go find this shit. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, yeah. And some of the, 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 uh, segments were misses for me yeah. in VHS. Like there were some lame ones in there. They actually just released a new one. Uh, on Shutter called VHS 99. Interesting. You said two was not good, though. None of them have been good. But I haven't tried them in a while. Not to mention, I probably should, because I'm sure they're probably giving, like, up-and-coming directors shots and stuff. Yeah, I'm, like, notoriously bad at watching sequels. Like, for horror movies, there's just something about it where I'm like, I'm good after the first. I'll still watch them, but, like, yeah, I just... Someone has to tell me they're good in order for me to watch them. 
Um, so the next one is Halloween Four, starring uh, the little sister in Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead. Oh, on KYG Y2K, you, you know who we might get on the fucking podcast? Dishes are done, dude. Are you serious? Yeah. Oh God. Yeah, Joey knows. Of course he does. Um, so tune into that, whatever that Coogan. is. Something Coogan. Um, S- Steve. It might be. Um. So yeah. Anyway, Halloween Four. Whoa. Yeah, that was also a downer ending. A great fucking ending. So I mean, it's great, but it's like a bummer. Yeah, it's. Uh, I actually saw. A it definitely like took me aback. Yeah, I, I mean, there are people. Uh, so. Halloween, as far as a franchise, has had the most interesting fucking jump around as far as timelines. Because I actually saw a meme the other day, like the different timelines you can make. Like you can go from Halloween 1 to Halloween 2 to Halloween H2O, and that's its own complete timeline. It is weird that they just like erase things. They're like, yep, that we're just going to pretend this didn't happen. Exactly. Like The new timeline is Halloween 1, and then the most recent three films with uh, Jamie Lee Curtis, where they completely discount her being uh, his sister. That's just out the fucking window. Oh, I didn't realize she, that, that she's not his sister anymore. No, the, the newer movies that have come out with Jamie Lee Curtis only are only sequels to the very first film. And the fact she's alive. And that too, yeah. <laughs> Whereas this, uh, it basically could go from Halloween 1 to 2, uh, 4, 5, and 6, where which are kind of their own things, where we explore, uh, played by Daniel Harris, Jamie, the orphaned daughter of a now-dead Jamie Lee Curtis and whoever her husband is, and Uncle Michael finds out she's exi- she exists and comes at her, um, really, the only negative I can say about this film is, unfortunately, the very late 80s, early 90s, when it came to mainstream horror films, the MPAA cracked the fucking down. And there's, like, almost no sex, almost no gore. But they make it work in the, this. I didn't need the sex. Like, I don't need the sex in in. But cops in, do it better. <laughs> I don't need the sex in horror movies. Like... Because it's usually not serving a purpose. It's just, like, there. Like, oh, my God. And that's usually when they... (laughs) I was like, oh, my God, you killed Kenny. Um, But that's usually when they they kill someone. But otherwise, I don't need it. Um, But (laughs) you got to die. Those are the rules. Um, So jumping off from Halloween 4, I am going to go to Terror Train because we were talking about um, Jamie Lee Curtis. Um, So we actually... Decided to watch this after watching um, one of the history of horrors, uh, actually, or no, the queer horror. It was a queer. Yes, because it. Yep, that's right. I won't give anything away with that. Um, but it. That was a fun one, even though we knew the ending. It was a fun one. It was an extremely dumb one. It was. It was dumb, but um, I'm glad we watched it. Same. Uh, yeah, there was some. There were some very convoluted things in it, though. It was yes. a little ridiculous. Um, but yeah, it was fun, and Jamie Lee Curtis was in that. I think that was her, the first movie she did after Halloween. I believe so. Yeah. Yeah, she's very young in it. Um, okay, so segueing, segueing to, um, I'm gonna do the thing next. Okay. So, uh, John Carpenter. Um, I so you had said that the the 1980 whatever one, right? This is from the 80s. Yeah, this one's from the 80s. Yeah, you. I was like, wasn't there an earlier version? And you're like, yeah, I think in the 50s, but that one's like less well known. But like, I feel like that's the one I know. But this is with uh, Kurt Russell, who is really rocking 
some seriously thick hair and beard. Um, they are in Antarctica um, on a, uh, what is it, like a expedition? It's like a scientific it's a scientific outpost in Antarctica. Yeah, there we go. So, yeah, they're, they're like, doing their thing, and uh, then, you know, this thing. So Something funny. We talked about this when we watched the movie. I never looked it up. Uh, you asked, it, did the original one, The Thing from Another World, take place in Antarctica? This one took place in Alaska, funnily enough. It was Arctic ice. Interesting, but still, like, a cold place where they would have been uh, secluded. Because that's the whole thing, right? You need the seclusion. Um, but yeah, basically this like creature is able to, or not creature, an entity almost. It's an alien. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, they're able to uh, turn themselves into the, like their uh, victims. They're Kirby, basically. They swallow the victims and then they can right. turn into the victims and have its power. Right. But it's, more, <laughs> it's, it's more like a hive consciousness, like a cellular consciousness. It's. That's what I was trying to yes, say, but it's an entity. Yes, the consciousness is not limited to one biological body. Right. Um, so, again, without giving away the ending, um, that was a fun one. Uh, I was bummed because some dogs were killed in it, and I can watch people die all day, but... I, 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 I had to explain to her, like, no, 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 that's not what's happening to the dog. That's what the dog actually <laughs> yeah. is. Yeah, because, yeah, like, his face got peeled off. There were some real... I mean... Classic John Carpenter, but there are some really cool uh, practical visuals. Practical effects. Yeah. The best. Yeah, amazing. Um, all right. So jumping back to The Wicker Man. Uh, yeah, so <laughs> I have seen this movie before. However, <laughs> Jesse and I, when we watch movies, and sometimes I appreciate him for it, but sometimes I do not. He has a thing where he's seen the movie and he wants me to see it, but he thinks I'm not going to be super into it. Or he just like thinks it's slow and like it was a slog for him to get through. He'll what? The Wicker Man is very slow. Yeah. So he'll fast forward through it and get to like the good parts and the important parts. And he like he famously did that to me for to um for me for uh Twin Peaks season two because I have seen season one so many times, but I just could not get past like episode four of season two and I have tried so many times. For that, it was worth it. Um I kind of got mad when he, we he did it for the Wicker Man because he got me all the way to the end and I'm like, wait, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> why did you fast forward this whole thing? Like, I would have enjoyed this more if I like got there watching everything and you you were like, I don't know, it's like slow. And I'm like, all right, well, we're gonna go back and watch it. We still need to. This is also a thing where it was like late at night and I wanted to watch it, but you weren't ready to go to bed yet. So it's like, let me try and do. And by the way, I do this with classic movies too. I will on occasion, only fast forward through my favorite scenes in, like, Godfather 2. No, and I, like, appreciate sometimes when you do it. Like I said, this was just, this was like, just a, a rare mess. Exactly. Um. So, yes, I need to rewatch. Oh, and when we say the Rick Wicker Man, we're referring to the Christopher Lee one, not the Nicolas Cage one. Not the bees! Not the bees! <laughs> oh, yeah. Have you seen that one? I haven't. You know what's funny, though? That same ex I mentioned who hated 303 dated a guy who would only watch Nicolas Cage films. That's weird. Yeah, I was obsessed with him. I feel like it's like a thing now to be obsessed with Nicolas Cage. But like, like I feel like it's like um, an ironic thing. It sounds like that guy did it in earnest. Um, Here, real quick, I'm going to do a speed run of the films we intended to watch but never got to. 
Uh, Psycho 2, The Omen. Mausoleum, which was on our list and we would have watched, but guess what? Uh, God damn it, Shudder. Yeah, the fucking I Walk the Line thing. It was just gone the next day. April Fool's Day. I still can't wait for you to watch that. That's good. Happy Death Day. Psycho 2. My Bloody Valentine. Whatever Happened to Baby Jane? Not really a horror film, but awesome. The Beyond. I watched. That's one of my favorites. The Lighthouse. Is that horror? What? The Lighthouse? I mean, I know it's What's-His-Face, but... It's surreal. I should also mention, I went and watched The Witch. Well, you watched half of The Witch with me. I've so seen all of The Witch. Well, I, my, my point is we didn't put it on our list of like things we watched. Oh, but, oh, gotcha. Yeah. I was like, I've seen that it, before. It's The Witch. It's awesome. Yeah. Or as you say, The Witch. The Witch. <laughs> um, Hell House LLC, WNUF Special, which I love. I just want to rewatch. Verotica? Verotica is one of, uh, it's been called one of the worst films of all time. It was released only a year or two ago. Worse than Disco Duck. Is that a film? Yeah, isn't it? You're thinking of Howard the Duck. Howard the Duck, that's it. Yeah, yeah. Disco Duck's a song. But here's the big thing. Do you know who wrote and directed Veronica? Who? Danzig. Oh my God, are you serious? Exactly. Oh God. Um, Children of the Corn. Uh, two pregnancy-themed ones, Prevenge and Lyle, which you have informed me you will not be watching. I get that. And did we ever watch Pet Cemetery together? No, but I've seen Pet Cemetery. Okay. And so, I've seen Children of the Corn. Yeah, so four straight films with children death in it. Um, so okay. And I've seen The Omen. I've seen The Omen, too. I wanted to watch, watch it. Well, I went on my own sub-adventure in, like, August where I watched all of The Omen sequels. And Omen 2 and 3 are fucking Killer. Yeah, and who's in the third one again? Uh, Sam Neill from Jurassic that's Park. That's right, that's right. Really crazy. I was not aware that I had... Uh, so there was an album that came out in 2000 that it's funny that not a lot of people are fans of this band, but everybody had this album, Iced Earth, Howard, uh, horror show, where everybody had... Uh, every song on it was about a, a horror icon, and there's a song about in it called Damien, which is really cool. I wasn't aware the entire spoken bridge was dialogue taken directly from Omen 3, where Sam Neill basically just, like, talks shit to a crucifix for five minutes, and it's really cool. It's always weird when, like, you discover, like, where, like, like you knew where something came from all yeah. of a sudden. Like, I had that with um, Smoke Two Joints by Sublime. Uh -huh. I had finally saw the movie that, like, that beginning is from. She was living in a single cell, that whole thing. Um, Beyond the Valley of the Dolls, ridiculous movie. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, as of this recording, it is the 24th, so I am sure we will be watching at least five more films, although the World Series might screw us over. Um, but yes, we will no doubt be watching more horror films and uh, sorry if we didn't get to any. Um, but yeah, any. Oh, well, we still have two more to discuss. Oh, which two? I, I jumped ahead before we got to them. Oh. Uh, you're next in Halloween 3. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, you're next was great. I didn't think I was going to like that because it was home invasion. I thought it was going to give me um, anxiety. Uh, but the the twist makes me not as concerned. <laughs> Um, but that one is crazy, and uh, there is one survivor in the entire movie, and that is all I will say. Like, literally only one person lives by the end of it. It's great. Um, and wait, was someone in that? Oh, <laughs> the dad is – I don't know if anyone watched the terrible show on the end, South of Nowhere, but the dad is – 
from that show is the dad in this. And I just could not take it seriously. Um, yeah, so that was funny. And wait, what's her face is in it? The chick. Who's the mom? Oh, I don't remember who the mom is. Wait, no, you'll know the mom. Oh, my God. Why can't I think of her name? Um, oh, wait, yeah. Who the f- Yeah, who's that? the mom? We're bad at actors today. Bad, bad, bad. bad. Wait, um, I didn't put a fucking apostrophe in there, so Wikipedia is just like, Dad, I don't know. Um, let's see. Wow. Uh, you're Grassy the next generation. You're, um... Try this again. <laughs> this is sure. this is ridiculous. Okay. Having a stroke, or is that how you spell your? No, there is this it. This is this is it. Oh, um, it's the chick from Reanimator. That's right, Barbara Crampton. Okay. Um, sorry, I'm sure none of you cared about that. That oh, Ty West was in it. That's right. That's right. Ty West was in a lot of this. Uh, Ty West was one of the segment directors in VHS as well. Yes. Um. And oh, and one of the directors slash actors in VHS was also in this. Yeah, he was he was the the funny shitty brother. Yes. Um. So yeah, that I highly recommend. And then Halloween three. Oh, that's the one we just watched. That's the one we just watched. Yeah. Oh my God. Eight more days till Halloween. 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 Eight more days till Halloween. Silver Shamrock. And ironically, we did watch that eight days before Halloween. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and no, that one was good. I mean, it was fine. It it is the Halloween movie that famously does not have Michael Myers in it. And and, and what I had said to you is like they would have gone away with that better if they didn't already do a Halloween two with him. But at that point, like it's set up. Exactly. Yeah. But. Um, uh, uh, it, it's a film that was very lowly rated for a long time and only in like the last 10, 15 years people have been given a credence where like if you watch it on its own as a... It's funny enough that like John Carpenter didn't direct it or write it or anything, but he's still in there. Like he wrote the fucking soundtrack to it. Yeah, I saw that actually. Um, But I mean, the ending is kind of cool. Depressing. Yeah. Um. But, yeah, there's some cool graphics in that. But, yeah, it's fine. I don't feel need to see it again. Yeah. No, you're, you're you're pretty much good one and done. So I think that's all of them for real now, right? Yeah, that's all of them. We might watch one or two in the next few days and maybe add on to this. Or maybe not. Well, I don't know. True. Um, okay. So, um, yeah, I feel like this is a good place to wrap it up. Anything you want to plug, honey? Um, this Friday, the, the 28th, I'll be at Myers Brewing Company in Philadelphia. Um, performing stand-up comedy. My only real big one coming up is December 8th, Rockin' R-O-F-L 2, comedians performing covers with a live band what, 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 what? at the Grape Room in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, Maniunk. Come check it out. That's going to be a good one. Yeah, next week we're going to have our first guest, uh, my best friend and musician and all-around awesome person, Kara Leah. And I believe we will be discussing Smashing Pumpkins. Um... Hopefully she has prepared for that. But, yeah, that should be fun, and we'll have a lot less Jesse in it. So that'll be another interesting first. It's, I don't think I'm going to be on that one. No, but knowing you, you'll be you'll chime in every now and then because I don't think you'll be able to keep your mouth shut and just uh, produce. Yeah, that sounds a lot like me. Yeah, for sure. Well, thanks for listening. Can't wait to see you next week. Bye. Later. And a happy Halloween.